morality, one of the most important and fundamental aspects of life that everybody needs to learn, yet so few dare, because it doesn't sound like such a sexy topic, does it? Why should I learn about morality? Well, isn't that just obvious, common sense, you know, everybody gets it? No, they don't. Actually, it is shocking how few do, and it is pivotal in your life experience, on your conscious growth journey to understand what true morality is, who sets the standard, how is it measured, and what does it actually mean to do that which is right versus doing that which is wrong, choosing good in a world of evil, as I always teach at Infinitum. Now, regardless of whether or not people are actually interested in this topic, as with everything I teach, so whether you're coming across me for the first time here or you've listened to me for years, I have never played by or served what the quote public or what listeners or an audience or potential customers would want. I serve God, meaning I will talk about and teach on that which is true, that which is right and that which is in service to the good. No matter the cost, no matter the criticism, no matter the denial from people and so on and so forth, because it is an intrinsic motivation that comes from my purpose in service to God. Unlike what you will witness for the most part in the world, where everything that you see is desired to cater to what people want and has nothing to do with what they actually need, which is to hear the word of God and the truth. Welcome back. This is my Wisdom Within Scripture series where I delve into specific texts and specific um, chapters within Scripture, the Word of God. The King James Version of the Bible specifically is the one I read from, but of course you could follow through different versions. And then I give my own teaching and my own commentary around those important life lessons. And in today's lesson, we're going to be delving into morality. Okay, in understanding this fundamental part of our lives and why the denial of it, the destruction of it, the demoralization of the entire world is leading us further and further into chaos and a literal Armageddon rather than into true progress, true evolution, true true collaboration and so on and so forth. It is not possible when you deny the very foundations of truth and principles coming from what morality actually is. So first things first is that it is God who sets the standard for morality, not humanity. This in itself is something I could teach for hours. And please, a a short disclaimer I will make here. For everything you listen from me, whether it be one of my five-minute clips or whether it be a one-hour or a six-hour clip, it's still not going to cover absolutely everything. There's always going to be pieces to the puzzle. You need to be an adept, a disciple, and truly dedicated to the truth and dedicated to growth and building your connection to God. So do not just listen to a a clip here or there or just one episode and assume you know something. You do not. Also, to be clear, when I'm reading from Scripture and the Word of God, I believe in and I know that the God of the Bible is the true God, Yahweh, and also that he was incarnate here in the physical through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. I am not an affiliate or part of any religions meaning I'm not in any denomination or whatever else you want to call them. I'm not in any religion whatsoever. I learn from God directly myself, which is what I actually recommend everybody does. Because unfortunately, although religion should have been 
basically places where people would go to learn about God's word, to learn about the reality of the world and be taught from a young age his laws, his commandments, and how to live a life in alignment with him. That is not what religion is today. It is just another institution, just like any other corporation. I'm not saying it to belittle anybody's religions or anything like that. I'm just explaining to you that that is where we have gotten to. Unfortunately, most of them cannot be trusted. So if you actually want to know the truth and want to directly connect with God, you do not need an intermediator of some other person. You need the word of God itself and prayer and the willingness to actually live by the example that God gave us to walk in righteousness and to turn away from that which is evil. So morality. First and foremost, one must understand that without acknowledging God, You cannot claim any standard for morality already there. You can't claim a standard for morality, okay? You also cannot justify why you would get upset or feel betrayed about anything. Why is that? Well, because when people claim morality is a social construct, like they do, they say, well, morality, we know difference between right and wrong because we socially agree that, because we are a large group of people that all agree, yeah, you probably shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Okay, well, when you claim morality is a social construct, what you're doing is you're saying there is no standard by which morality is measured. Thus, it becomes mere opinion. Okay, it's mere opinion. It's not the same thing as an objective standard. So therefore, you have no standard for knowing as in actually coming to know the truth about morality. Therefore, your ability to discern is not possible. As a devout agnostic would tell you, agnostic meaning without knowledge. They believe it's literally not possible to have any knowledge and that the knowledge of the spirit is unknowable. But they will deny the word of God, which reveals much of God's wisdom to us. That's what the word of God is, guys. It's all the revelations, public revelations, multiple witnesses. There is multiple historical evidence and accounts in the Bible. It is a historical book and it is a special revelation by God himself, where he revealed many various mysteries to us throughout various different disciples, various different witnesses publicly. And many of these things can be historically verified. I will do in future, you know, I'll be doing this series probably for the rest of my life because the wisdom within scripture is un, is limitless. I could not, it would be impossible for me to cover it all. That's why I'm also telling you, you need to, you cannot replace your own time with God through listening to me or anyone else. You must actually be willing to learn from him yourself by reading his word and spending time with him in prayer, like actually conversing with him. Um, And and then he will teach you and bestow wisdom upon you. So he's provided us all this information. And yes, I will do various series on the actual historical truths in the Bible, like in our physical world, how they can be proven. When I first come to uh, check all those things, because I am a very rational person. So my coming to the Bible and my coming to understand the truth about the one true God the God of the Bible, Yahweh, was completely, it was not of some, I wasn't, you know, in some dire place where I was desperately seeking, you know, for some, something or whatever else. It was totally just God came into my life through the word of God and he transformed me completely. I was seeking nothing. I very much 
enjoyed my life. I have, I have a happy life. I was already living my purpose. I was already completely content with everything I had and with everything I had achieved in my life to this point because I'm a very hardworking person and everything I've ever done, I've done it for myself. But reading the word of God still convicted me into understanding I was not a good person and that only he and his word, his wisdom and his guidance and his help, only with that could I truly become a good person. So I point that out as well, because many people often say, you know, um, of course, you can be a good person without God. Well, we'll get to that in a moment as well, because I thought the same thing. Obviously, uh, you can appear to be a good person, but it's not the same thing. So people will deny the word of God, which reveals much of God's wisdom to us. So how can you have principles if you're an agnostic or an atheist, for example, or you just simply are amoral? You have no standard for morality or you deny morality. You can't because it's all relative. There is even very popular, very influential mystics out there that have literally declared, I have no morals. I hate morality. And their reasoning for saying they hate morality is because they claim morality uh, causes discord and their goal is peace, right? Well, you know what? God didn't come to bring peace to the world when he came as Jesus Christ. He came to bring a sword, as he said, which was the sword of truth. And he calls it a sword because it cuts. It cuts through all the lies and it shows you the ugly truth of this world. And only those that are willing to hear and willing to see will actually embrace the gift that is that truth, all right? So, I mean, it could seem irrelevant or harmless on the surface to say like, okay, so what? So some people don't believe in God's morals or the standard, you know, what's the difference? As long as they're not hurting anyone, right? Well, could seem harmless on the surface. However, you quickly realize the serious damage that results when you see how people then choose to behave, okay? I want you to think about it. Here's a quote from a nihilistic worldview, which is an ever-increasing popular belief system, unfortunately. Quote, just to say, well, God is dead, is one breath is to say, in another, that nothing means anything. This is the moment of nihilism. Nihilism is the affirmation of meaninglessness, end quote. So, for example, what you may personally think is wrong, someone else can think is not. Therefore, under such a worldview, such a worldview that is void of God's morality, nothing has inherent meaning or purpose because you can be a murderer or a saint, no difference without a just God that delivers justice. Do you understand? There is no difference. There is literally no difference between you being a mass murderer or a saint that helped every individual cross your path because it's all meaninglessness. Okay, yet still people will say things like, well, of course, I don't want to murder people. I don't need God to be a good person. Or I didn't know of God like my whole life, maybe till my 20s. And I still knew right from wrong. Okay, or if you need to fear God to be a good person, there's something wrong in that. There's so many levels to those. I could literally do a whole episode just on each one of those quotes, but... Actually, what you need to understand if you're thinking like that is you did know of God, okay? It's not that you don't know God and that's why you chose to murder people, not murder people just because you think inherently you're a good person. No, you did know God. 
because God says everyone has the knowledge of him, but they either accept it or suppress it. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 to 21 says this, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, end quote. I want you to listen carefully. To say you are a good person and claim it comes not from the knowledge of God is dishonest because it is borrowing from the worldview of God's law in order to even claim it. Seeing as under a humanist, godless worldview, there is literally no basis to be good. Therefore, there is no bad either. So you even claiming to say you're a good person has no basis. You don't have any foundational intellectual rationale to say you are good in a worldview that is void of God's morality because there's no difference whether you're a murderer or a saint. You understand? It attempts to justify an opposing worldview to God, but you thus have nothing to be righteously principled about. Because it's all relative. Okay, Titus chapter 1 verse 15. Unto the pure are all things pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. End quote. Now you yourself, I'm sure, can see the various issues in that. Because your conscience, which which means with knowledge, it's very opposite of agnostic, which is without knowledge. Your conscience is within you. It's with knowledge of right and wrong. Your conscience glorifies God's image in you because you're made in God's image. So what's actually happening, ironically, when someone says, like, they're a good person, I wouldn't murder people, that's actually God's image shining forth from them. They're just suppressing that it is from God. Okay, So your conscience knows intrinsically that there is objective right and wrong, okay? Even a six-month-old child can tell the difference between a thief and an honest person, okay? There's actually been studies that show this, and the child knows because of their conscience is not yet defiled. Like, their conscience has not yet been defiled by the world and man-made doctrines, which are not based on God's word at all. This is the thing, you know... As children, we are born with that conscience and very early on, we're closer to God. We understand these things, but we obviously don't have intellect and rationale. That needs to be developed. We're very, very vulnerable. Humans are very malleable. So children need to be being taught the right doctrines right from the moment they're born. But guess what? They're thrown into a school that teaches them the theory of evolution. It's the biggest and most valuable belief system ever out there. It's a religion in itself and it has no proof of any truth. The theory of evolution is a cult and it's being taught to children from the moment that they head into school along with all the other terrible ideologies they throw at children today rather than teaching them how to actually develop their intellect. Why do you think that is? Because as it was once quoted, doesn't don't want a nation of thinkers, want a nation of workers, just people that will 
just slave away and never actually question and understand the reality of life and the gift of life. The issue is that culture can and absolutely does shape people's identities, okay? So they suppress their conscience as they become more and more of the world rather than closer to God. So as you, you know, as you're growing up as a kid, everything around you influences you. Everything is influenced. So you're being influenced by your parents, by your teachers, by your peers, by your friends, by random strangers you meet, experiences when you go to a restaurant, when you go on vacation, just when you're having an intimate, you know, dinner uh, talk time with, with your parents or what have you. All of it is affecting you at any given time. Okay, and if it's not actually coming from the structure and the doctrine and the commandments that God gave, it's going to be leading you astray, guaranteed. And guess what? I'm yet to see any nation in the entire world that actually lives, you know, purely by God's laws. And that's why it's not easy to explain. Sorry, it's not easy. It's not difficult, sorry, to explain how the world is the way it is today because we are certainly not ever getting closer to God. We get more and more closer to being of the world, which is absolutely satanic because it is run by Satan. Mark chapter 7 verse 13. Making the word of God of non-effect through your tradition which ye have delivered and many such like things do ye. Matthew chapter 15 verse 3 to 9. Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Are you hearing that? You're transgressing the commandment of God by your tradition, meaning that man-made traditions have become priority over God's word. And that, my friends, is not right. Your culture, your traditions, that things of just people have done because it's always been done, should never be above God's word. Principles is that which comes first, and your principles should be based off of the truth, God's word, and that which is actually right and correct. Verse 7 to 9. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah's prophecy of you, saying, This people draw nigh to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. End quote. This is very powerful, very powerful words. And do you see the, the, the strength of those words? Do you see that there's a lot of authority in them? Do you see that they're not, they're not just flattery and this, you know, Jesus is my best friend that you hear all of that speak everywhere as well? No, the New Testament and the Old Testament are the exact same God. And I find it rather amusing yet at the same time insulting when someone will say to me something like, have you even read the Old Testament? First of all, not even actually listening to what they were watching of mine, one of my educational videos or listening to my podcast and saying, haven't you even read the Old Testament? Yes, actually I have, unlike most people in the world. I've read the whole thing, old and new, several times and I feed myself with spiritual food, which is the word of God every single day. And if you had actually read the word of God, you would never even write such a comment. It is such ignorance. It's not even worth it. So do you, you know, worship or honour God with your lips, but is your heart close to God? Do you mean it? Do you live a lifestyle as if he actually is the leader of your life? That you take personal responsibility and say, no, you know, I'm going to, the only person I answer to is God, nobody else. 
There is no human being that can uh, make me afraid. That's the point about fearing God. It's not you fear God of punishment. It's a reverence and a respect, the same way you would fear a very, very respectable parent. It's the same thing in that sense. But of course, that analogy makes no sense in today's world because practically nobody respects their parents. So why, of course, why would they respect God? So these false worldviews don't work in practicality. They just don't. The whole morality is relative. Everything's just, you know, depending on the person and so on and so forth. They're also logically inconsistent and they lead to utter destruction and desolation, as we can obviously see in the world today. See, God doesn't contradict himself. He does not logically contradict himself. There are no contradictions in the Bible. Anytime you misunderstand something in the Bible, you have to cross-reference and cross-check scripture with scripture, meaning, you know, it is a body of, it's, it's a huge body of work. There's 66 books in it. It's across thousands of years, right? There is historical language, there's prophetic language. There are over 300 prophecies in the Bible that many of them have been fulfilled and some are still to come. I mean, the evidence is just astounding. That's what I'm saying, like from a logical, I'm not some, you know, uh, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not this religious fanatic or something. Understand that about me, because obviously you don't know me. You're just listening to, to some of my teachings. Understand that about me. I'm not a religious fanatic. I'm not religious at all. I have I've decided to disciple myself to the word of God directly, and he is teaching me his wisdom. And I have learned the truth from his word, and his word is what's convicted me and tra- tra- transformed my heart and mind. And no one can take that away from me. But that can only be understood when you've done that yourself and not when you just ignorantly say things when you have no idea of the of the of the of the inhalt, I'm thinking of the German word for some reason, of the content and context. So they're inconsistent and God does not contradict himself. He's never inconsistent. He is consistent. He is faithful. He's trustworthy. So if there's something that makes doesn't make sense to you in one part of the Bible, you cross-reference to other parts of the Bible and then you will see the answer is there. Of course, we do not have the answer for absolutely everything. But you know what? We have more than enough to understand many, many things about life. So even many well-known nihilistic philosophers, at least, had the intellectual honesty to admit their worldview led to total despair and meaninglessness. They admitted that. They admitted that the, the end result of nihilism is total despair and meaninglessness. Okay? Psalm... Uh, 14 verse 1 the fool says in his heart there is no god they are corrupt their deeds are vile there is no one who does good end quote this is not only about speaking about like atheists this is not only saying you know there is no god as in you don't believe in god because again there is nobody lacks faith it's just whether you believe in truth or falsehood you'll believe in something else like nobody does not believe in anything it's just a fundamental part of our existence. I call it the worship gene. If people don't actually worship the one true God, they will worship other things, people, materialist things. You know, you see how how people look like they're literally deranged and possessed when they're at a music concert to some complete stranger that's just dancing around on a stage. They'd give their life for this person. Hello? Hello? Deranged, okay? You're possessed. It's not right. Who behaves like that? 
someone who's demonically possessed, not somebody who actually has their rationale together. And yet I, with rationale, will tell you, read the Bible and learn something about life and you're going to turn around and, and, you know, just leave a backhanded, ridiculous comment. I have nothing to say to people like that. I will just ignore you, okay? For those of you that are actually wanting to learn, may this be of use to you because none of this is for me. It is for whoever is out there actually willing to listen and wants to draw closer to God. So understand that God's character is the basis and the standard for morality, okay? His, his character itself, meaning his personality, okay? And as God created all things, including you, his moral standards are embedded in the laws of our existence, okay? They literally govern the consequences of our behaviour, That's how embedded God's laws are to our entire existence. Now, they don't govern the behavior itself because we have free will, okay? Yes, you have free will to choose. You know, again, there's a schism on both ends. People who completely claim to be atheistic also claim there's no free will. You know, I've read and studied so much from biologists, molecular biologists and and, um, all the rest of it, epigeneticists and so on, who claim that, Everything is predetermined based off of our molecules in our brain or on the complete other side where people are religious fanatics and say we have no free will because everything's just decided by a higher power and we, we're just supposed to sit here and do and do nothing like he'll figure out. Both of them are imbalanced. You do have free will. God did not make you as a robot. Okay, that love requires free will. Do you understand? You cannot be forced to love someone. That's even something like I find that actually that's coming to my mind now um, from many, at least in the olden days. I'm not sure about nowadays because I haven't watched movies in a very long time, several years. But it always used to be a theme in like sort of witchcraft movies or whatever, or or what do you want to call them? Rom-coms, right? Romantic comedies or just romance movies, which are very popular, is that, you know, whenever a... Uh, let's say a woman is trying to get a man, a love interest, fall in love with her. She does like these magical rituals or whatever, but it always shows you the negative consequences of it because it was forced, it was not real. Because what that is, that's using demonic practices, by the way, that's using demonic practices to literally force somebody's free will to, to enforce yourself on them, which what happens is you get the negative aspect. You don't get somebody's love in return, you get obsession which is, as I told you, if you imagine people lining up to see some music person in a concert, you know, do you think they like that? Like, it, it looks scary and deranged that somebody is that, like, hyperventilating, crying and screaming just by looking at you. That's called obsession. That's not healthy. That's not love. Okay, so that's like the, diff- that's always like everything to do with evil is inverted. So you see, God doesn't want you to be just like this bland, robotic you know, or even manipulated being that loves him just because he's made you to do that. No, you have free will so that you will choose to love him. Why? Because it means you actually chose to be good. You chose the goodness. You chose the light. And therefore he knows who are truly his because those who choose to deny him are the ones that deny the light. means you love your wickedness. You love your filth. You love the darkness. And therefore you'll get to spend eternity in darkness because it's what you chose. What love, lots of people seem to like to think that hell is one big party. And it's nothing even close to that. It's eternal suffering and damnation. And yes, you still feel. 
You will have a different type of body, but you feel. And it's internal suffering. You will want to die and you cannot. That does not sound like a party to me. But I give more, I give countless examples and tools and practices in my, you can go and watch one of my in-depth seminars for that or take one of my courses to get some real skills and discern and develop wisdom in a world of deceit, okay? Now, without God, the one true God, there is also no such thing as justice because everything is just, you know, a field of energy experiencing and expanding into everything and nothing all at once. You see how that sounds similar to the nihilistic worldview? Just a bit, you know, prettier and fancier. It doesn't sound so like, at least the nihilist says, says it like it is. I've always preferred people that are blunt. So a nihilist at least says, you know, yeah, my worldview is meaninglessness and despair. Whereas, you know, the new age puts sparkles on it. You know, we're a field of energy, man. It's all just, we're all one together and not there and there. And all of it ultimately comes back to the same thing. And, you know, it's not personal. It's all just expanding, constantly growing and learning. But at the same time, it's just all nothing because we're all just this void. Did that even make sense, what I just said? Yeah, it doesn't usually. It's just all these weird words they use and bundle them together to make it sound intellectual. So... That worldview is what some like to use as an excuse for claiming evil is necessary in the world. Because, hey, without evil, how could we know good, right? Wrong. Wrong. No one, I can assure you, and you can verify this in your own life, no one has to commit murder to know and understand that it is wrong. No one has to violate a child to know and understand that is wrong. No one has to be a victim of abuse, to know and understand the wickedness of it. So what makes anyone think that a just and righteous God condones evil? He doesn't. Judgment day awaits us all. And this is why the the fool says in his heart, there's no God. You see, it's not only atheists, it's also people who claim to be believers, but they only honor him with their lips, but not with their deeds. They act as if He's not real. They act as if there's no God because they themselves want to behave wickedly and they also see others behave wickedly and think that, well, they get away with it. No, no one gets away with anything. Free will requires the ability to choose from your own consciousness what you think, what you say and what you do. Thus, the entry of evil into the world since humans decided, okay, chose, decided, God God gave you choice the gift of free will. So since humans decided to choose that which is wicked in God's sight rather than that which is righteous, that's when evil entered the world. It's all because of humans. God did not do it. There is zero evil in God. Evil and wickedness is the absence of God's love, light, righteousness, justice and goodness. Okay, that's why we have to actually rekindle a relationship to him because uh, before iniquity, lawlessness and wickedness entered the world, humanity actually had a direct relationship with God, as in they could literally see God in some way. Obviously not like we would imagine, like no one's seen him, he's invisible, but in a, in a way that his presence was fully known, like there was just no question. And 
His glory was all around us. But because of our iniquity and our lawlessness and our wickedness, and because he has no evil in him, he cannot connect to that which is evil. That's why the separation happened and we're in a fallen world and all the rest of it. But that is literally a whole, uh, a massive part of our history, which, which is a whole episode in itself. But that's why today, you know, when people say, you know, why doesn't God just show himself and so on and so forth? Well, because humanity is wicked and God cannot connect to that which is wicked. So it's in your personal endeavor to be his disciple, a student of his word, and to actually want to connect with him. Genuine in your heart, he knows the difference. I can t- I'm telling you from my personal experience and from the thousands of people I've always worked with, all the stories people tell me as well, their personal accounts, their witness, the difference between you really meaning it in your heart versus you just saying it in your lips. He knows the difference. He can tell your thoughts. Okay. So it's important to determine which God you believe in as well. Because there's only one living God, the God of the Bible, Yahweh. The rest are counterfeit false idols. And I mean, when I say the rest, I mean the rest. There are literally countless, hundreds of millions of ones. And now again, lots of other people always say, also say, well, yes, even that God is based off of even earlier ones from before the scripture. No, actually, none of them are. The God of the Bible and the historical accounts of the Bible themselves and even the account of Jesus, the most well-known name in the entire world, of which, by the way, there is no other person ever called Jesus again. Um, And everything in the account of him having walked on the earth and everything he taught people and all the rest of it, there is no, there is nothing likened to it at all. Every other type of God is a false God, a little G God, a dead God, as he calls them. And since the beginning of the time they've existed, which was Satan's trick since the beginning, is that he wants to be like God. He wants to be like the most high. So he presents himself that way. Yes, he copies. But guess what? There is a truth. One of them is true. They can't all be false. One of them is true. That's right. It is the God of the Bible. And all the rest of them are false counterfeits. And It's astonishing how many people would rather believe in the false counterfeit than the one true God. Interesting, especially as well, of course, everyone as well loves to talk about how the Bible, you know, is written by men and it was there so they could, you know, have power over people. Really, because, you know, the Bible couldn't be more counter-human and like human pleasure at all. Like there's nothing more counter like power and pleasure and all that. It's so righteous it's so convicting, like it, there is nothing like, you know, prosperity preaching about it, that's why when people do do this prosperity preaching, they're just a false teacher, they're another deceiver that you've got to be careful of, the message of the Bible is not all, you know, fun and love and love, love everybody and love and games and everything's just wonderful and life is fantastic, it's very sobering, There is nothing about the Bible that actually makes anybody want to follow a specific leader, so to speak. So no, you can throw that argument out out of the water straight away because it's nothing, it's one of the least appealing, you know, (laughs) doctrines anyone could read. In fact, he even says so himself, I'll I'll add this one. Um, This is in 1 Peter chapter 3 from verse... 13. Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? 
But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ has also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, that would be the uh, angels that fell, which sometimes were dis- sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, Eight souls were saved by water. End quote for there now. Wow, that, that, that verse is in themselves, I could say so much. But the point is here is that you will be criticised nor and you will not receive worldly riches and things when you actually are a true disciple of the God of the Bible. That's why you actually know that, that when someone is actually following the truth of the Bible... There's nothing in it for them. There's nothing in this for me. I'm not selling no product to you. I'm not trying to, trying to, you know, get you to do anything. Like this is not even, it's not, it's not even like nice for me to do this because I already know how many people just don't listen to this stuff. But because I don't do it for people, I do it because I'm in service to God. It's my purpose. That's why I teach purpose. I teach all these teach morality, I teach integrity, I teach mastery and all these things that are, you know, build up of all my skills my entire life. And, you know, God's will be done. Like, purpose is what he puts you here to do. And I understand why he's using all of the skills I've built up to now to also now teach his word. And it's incredible. And I'm honored to do so, regardless of what people say and think, because I know that he will have, he turns everything into good. So whoever needs to hear it will. And I have actually experienced already quite a few different people that, that even told me that they were of some of the most, you know, non-believing atheistic types ever. And somehow through some of my teachings, they found their way back to God. And honestly, that, that brings me to tears from joy because I saw that this is what it's all about. You reconnecting with your father in heaven, God, that's it. That's all that matters. And it's amazing that people won't see through that. They won't see that that is genuine. They'd rather believe the lies. Just think about that. So you must determine which God you believe in, because there's only one true living God, the God of the Bible. The rest are counterfeits false idols. And it's not enough to claim that you believe in a higher power, as some like to say, if you do not have the knowledge of that higher power and his laws, it's not enough to just believe because you could have picked it up from some other, you know, some cultural doctrine. You know, even the Freemasons say that you need to at least believe in a higher power for you to become a Freemason. Why do they say that? I'll tell you why. Because they're going to tell you which higher power to believe in. You see, when you don't know and have the knowledge of God and who he actually is, his character, then you will believe in any false god. And that's the reason why in Freemasonry, as one example of the many false doctrines out there, uh, will tell you, great, as long as you are open to believe, but we're going to tell you. That's why by the end of it, by the 33rd degree, they tell you that the God they worship is Satan. 
all right? And by that point, people are fully hooked in. Titus chapter 1 verse 16, they profess that they know God, but in their works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate, end quote. Disobedient in this sense means in reference to God and his laws. It's not disobedient like you're disobeying, you know, some school teacher or something like that. It's disobedient in reference to God and his laws, meaning that you are actually intentionally trying to be counter God. That's what that means. Remember, a lot of this is written in Old English, but I don't, I like it. I like the King James Version. I think it's one of the best translations that were made in English. That is, of course, if you can read Hebrew or Greek, even better, you can read those. But it is a miracle, the English translation that we have and, and how that all came about is in itself an absolute incredible work of God. That we can all, as individuals, you know, for free, have it to hand on the internet or for pennies, have it to hand as a physical book, which I would highly recommend that you do and that you make it part of your routine to read God's word every day, several times a day, or as he says, meditate on his word day and night. Because the more you're thinking of God and like God, the more you're going to be thinking like him and therefore your behavior is going to be like him. And if you're not thinking of him and instead you're filling your mind with trash, guess what? So are you going to be trash? (laughs) It's just the way it works. It's pretty standard in terms of habit building and so on. It's another thing I teach often on. So these are those people who don't profess to be atheists, but in practice they actually are atheists, okay? They own that there's a God and they boast of their knowledge of God right? So it's very performative. But their lives and conversations show that they had no true knowledge of him. And that the fear of him was not in them. Remember, fear here means reverence and respect. Because if you respect God, you wouldn't do that which is evil in his sight. That's what that means. It's not a fear like he's going to hurt you. It's not that kind of fear. Understand that and please look into it before you people just come up with these most ridiculous Uh, just turn away and and claim they know something that they know nothing of. So like it's a performative actor, you know, yes, I know God and God's wonderful and let me sing about God or let me do this and let me go to my, you know, service on Sunday. No. So you're practically denying the faith that you profess to hold and the power of God. You see, God doesn't need a fan club of rah-rah cheerleaders, but he needs true, dedicated disciples And by reprobate, uh, unto every good work reprobate, by this is meant those they're unfit to discern and make wise decisions. Because a reprobate mind means void of good judgment. That's what that means. So if you don't know God, you have no knowledge of him, you don't understand his, his character, you don't actually study his word or get to know him properly, which is, again, sacrificial, you know, again, you don't just make side comments because you heard one quote somewhere. And then you think you're a smart ass, right? You are reprobate. Your mind is reprobate. You're void of good judgment. If you don't know about something, keep quiet. Why have an opinion about it at all? I've never understood that. If I don't understand something, I go and look into it. I actually go and bother to learn something about it so I actually can make an informative decision. Or if I'm not interested in it at all and I think it's nonsense, I just move on. So should you. For many say that they believe, yet what they believe is a version of God they made up in their own minds that affirm their own worldview. So what do we have? Again, that leads to moral decay. That's the result of that. So even, as I said, this is not just why I I apply, I am very holistic, like I connect all the dots 
strategy is a big part of my thing, both strategy and execution. I can do all that, did it for years. Meaning that whether you're atheist, agnostic, you know, religious, spiritual, whatever label you want to give yourself, wherever you are, all of them, if you're not actually listening to, learning from and believing in the one true God, all of them are going to result in moral decay because your standard for morality is not the one true God. It's some other man-made belief system. It's some other man-made doctrine, right? Again, they honor me with their lips, but my hearts are, their hearts are far from me. So if you make up a version of God in your mind that just affirms your own worldview, you've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to look at that and say, am I doing that? Do I, do I like this version of God in my head just because I made it? Do you know how many times I've heard someone say, the reason why they don't like, they're not, they're not consciously saying this, but this is, you know, I can see it immediately when they answer this way. Every time someone denies the one true God, the God of the Bible, it is because they don't like the fact that he, ha- he is just, that he is righteous. They don't like that he has a standard for morality. His standard is excellence. His standard is don't be wicked. Don't be foolish. Don't be like the evil demons. And people literally don't like, that's why they don't like God. And when you think about that from a logical sense, that's you saying, well, I, because I want to be the murderer. I want to be the thief. I want to be, you know, the abuser. That's what they're saying. That's why I'm telling you that that's, that's a pivotal difference between the one true God of the Bible and every other false God. Every other false God people love because they're like, well, to me... God isn't this really judgmental, horrible God that you see in the Bible. Oh, God doesn't doesn't want you to be a murderer and a thief and a and a liar. Okay, shows where your heart's at. It really does. There's something you can test as well for yourself moving forward whenever you have conversations with people. It's very interesting. I've noticed it so many times now. It's not that they, yeah, it's not that they don't believe in the God. It's that they want to suppress Him because He is the one true righteous God. It, it eats at their conscience in understanding that. It's, they start to actually feel the um, conviction, okay? And conviction is something you learn only through reading scripture. It literally starts to work on your heart and you will have what's called godly sorrow. Like, again, I actually have a good life. I'm very grateful. I'm fulfilled. I love my life, but I cry almost daily from godly sorrow, as in from the state of the world and what how the world is is so hateful and uh, denying of God. And I understand everything he's had to, to the extent that I can, that he's had to go through with humanity. And that brings me so much sorrow. And it brings me sorrow to see the amount of lost people in the world. And if you don't have that, you, you haven't got it yet. You see, you see. But I, I, I must move on. So morality can only be objective when it is a standard higher than humans, okay? Set by God who created all things. God gave you life with inherent intrinsic value. There's no other belief system that will tell you that. Like everything else is based off of what you do, who you become, like material things and so on and so forth, all that it's utterly meaningless. But God gave you life with inherent intrinsic value. Your growth in life is in seeking his wisdom and holding on to it when you come to know it. 1 Timothy 6 verse 20. Guard what was committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, end quote. I like this one because this is about, 
you know, when you actually have the truth, you don't have to keep seeking, you know, people like to say they're seeking for 20 years. Yeah, but once you know a truth about something, you hold on to it. That's what it means, God, what was committed to your trust. You hold on to the truth once you have it. You don't just throw it away and continue seeking and now looking for vain babblings, okay? Many, many people are distracted by endless mythologies. Seriously, they can go, it can go on forever. This is the whole rabbit holes people talk about. And I, they're just endless. And they leave you asking more questions. It doesn't have to be like that. Okay, the Bible has answers. God's word has answers. It's not, oh, I need to figure out this 50,000 other mysteries. And how could I ever know, right? Because it's not possible to know. Yes, it is. People are distracted by endless mythologies that sound intelligent. Okay, there's also very well-known intellectuals and scholars out there, but they're leading people astray because they're just endless mythologies. They're vain babblings. God warns not to fall for such vain babblings and to focus on his word of truth. And again, I can attest that, as can many others, when you do that, how much clarity you get. And you can see through all of that. You can see through how much of it was just, was just uh, mazes, like a maze going into endless confusion. Because that's what evil does. Confusion, it's one of its core ways of getting people away from God. And, you know, God is allowing the world to show its true colours. This is why we see all the darkness and evil not even being done in secret anymore. These things used to be done in secret. Everything was in secret. They had secret rituals and everything. Yes, they still exist. But for the most part, it's coming out right in front of your face, like all day, every day. You know, you can't even walk down the street without there being sexual perversion all over the place. They literally have no shame. So we're witnessing much hostility against the one true God. We're witnessing hatred of wisdom and truth. But just remember, guys, that he decides, God decides the time for repayment on Judgment Day. Haven't you noticed Hollywood's obsession with things like cosmic judgment, like judgment day, justice days, like end of the world stuff, you know, justice court hearings. Why are people so obsessed with watching justice court hearings? If there was no truth in understanding that there is such a thing as justice and judgment and that it's coming and that God is just and that there is such a thing as God's law beyond humanity. They also are obsessed with these like Armageddon type dystopian movies. Yeah. Well, Lots of people say, oh, or what do people say about even certain cartoons and stuff? Oh, they're predicting the future. No, they're not. I'll tell you what, they're not predicting anything. They're literally reading the Bible, okay? Because all of them, I can assure you, every one of them, I can see the storyline came from the Bible. So what they're doing is they're reading the Bible and then they're portraying the prophetic things still to come because there's still prophecies in the Bible that have not come yet. It literally gives you information of everything up until literally Armageddon, the end of the world. Um, So they're portraying those things to come, but from their wicked and evil lens, okay? So it's not like God's side of the story. It's Satan's side of the story. And guess what? All of Hollywood, all the movies, all that jazz that you go and spend all your money and time on, you're literally a cheerleader, rah-rah cheerleader for Satan's side of the story. Right? I'll, I'll let that sink in for you. And I'll also let you in on a secret, because the wicked don't favour well in the end. For vengeance is God's, and all, all people shall receive their due judgment, judgment, due du- judgment for their works. 
Deuteronomy 32 verse 35, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Recompense means repayment, what, what someone is due as payment. That's why the phrase, the wages of sin or the wages of immorality is death. We die because of our immorality. We die because we chose to turn away from God. Do you understand? A hundred percent of people are guaranteed to die. Death is a guarantee. I don't need to prove that to you. You all know that. Why do we die? Because we chose to to turn away from God, because we chose sin, because we chose wickedness, we chose immorality, we chose lawlessness. What's the answer? Stop being lawless, choose righteousness, choose to serve God. And, and death it will not be the end of you. Revelation 22 verses 12 to 14. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. End quote. The city is referring to is the new kingdom of Jerusalem when Jesus Christ will come back to reign a thousand years. That is a whole other thing I will talk about another time. Revelation chapter 14 verse 7. Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. End quote. The question to ask yourself is, is it worth it? Is it worth the risk to be wrong about the true living God and live as though he doesn't exist? I want you to ask that question to yourself. Is it worth it? to risk being wrong about the true living God and live as though he doesn't exist? I say no. I say putting your trust in God and his word is your protection. Denying him is your demise. I say don't buy into the lies of the wicked, but listen to the wisdom of the good. Proverbs chapter 11 verses 3 to 4. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of the transgressors shall destroy them. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death, end quote. God is wisdom. His wisdom is eternal, and it's available to you at your fingertips. The question is, are you willing to listen and learn from God, or would you rather lean on your own understanding? Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, end quote. Loving your maker, your God, is the best choice you will ever make in your life. Watch my four-day seminar on building integrity and character to learn some skills on how to live in service to God, truth and purpose. I recorded it specially in video format with a walkthrough presentation for those of you who learn from me from around the world and cannot come to a live workshop with me in person. With that, I know there's a lot to think about in this lesson, but no one understand. Morality is objective. The standard is defined by God and not by humanity. And the best choice you'll ever make in life is to choose to be in service to God, to the truth and to purpose, and to love your maker with all your mind, with all your heart, and with all your soul.